Hello and welcome to episode 16 of the podcast. I'm Becca Silver, founder of The Whole Educator. In this episode, I discuss with Luis Torres how he has built a coaching culture. He has been the principal of a school in the Bronx for 18 years. Stay tuned to find out how you can get your teachers invested in coaching and how to differentiate professional development to be able to reach all teachers. See you soon. Welcome to Coaching the Whole Educator the podcast that helps instructional coaches, teacher leaders, and school leaders. I'm Becca, former educator and school coach turned transformational coach of coaches. I'm on a mission to help you improve your educators' effectiveness and resilience, especially the ones who need it most. Each week, we'll cover quick tips, strategies, and coaching mindsets so that you can be on top of your coaching game. Are you ready? Let's dive in. So you and I have been chatting about how you, in partnership with your coaches, have built a culture of coaching at your school and all of the benefits that have come from that. And so I'd love to hear, first of all, how have you built a culture of coaching so that your teachers are really open to the coaches working with them on a regular basis? Yeah, so um, it's like any any team that you form, right? You have to find the right people. I don't have coaches who stay very long as coaches. Either they move up and become administrators or um, it's not a good fit for them and they wind up, you know, going elsewhere. So what I, what I try to do is I try to build my coaches up uh, to the point where either they want to be administrators and they move on into administration or if they don't want to be here, I, I tend to help them to get other jobs elsewhere. And then the coaches that remain that are, are on board with what we're doing, we, we, we create a, a, a culture that is not punitive. We're not here to, uh, I gotcha. We're not here to punish people. We're here to provide support. And every organization that has coaches, the coach is the person that people feel most comfortable with because they're the ones who will be supporting them. Yeah. And well, what's great is in your experience that the coaches are the people that the teachers would feel most comfortable with. And in some schools, that's unfortunately not the case right now, that coaches are seen as another person that could get the teacher in trouble. So has there ever been a time when teachers were not open to coaching? I think that there's always that feeling for teachers. Um, It's not something that you can just shut off. Uh, Anytime you have people who are working out of the classroom, working directly with administration um, in constant communication with the principal and the assistant principals, people are going to view you as an informant or somebody who's anti. I think that, you know, what we got to do is we got to let them know that that's not what we're here for. Mm -hmm. We're here to provide you the best support possible, because if you're successful, then our children will be successful. Mm-hmm. And creating that culture is very important, but it's also um, the way you address things, right? So if a coach comes to me with a concern or an issue, I'm not going to go and use that against a teacher because then that's going to destroy whatever trust there is, right? Mm-hmm. So it's also how I 
take the information that's provided to me. Yeah, no, I love that. Can you give a specific example of a time that a coach brought an issue to you and that you worked with a teacher to support them instead of feeling like, I gotcha. Mm -hmm. So uh, I'll give you an example. There was a teacher who was not taking the feedback from the coach. Um, And the coach kept complaining to me about, um, you know, the teacher not doing certain things. And so what I did is I just reassigned the coach and and I I switched the the relationship because it's like a marriage, right? Not every marriage is going to work. Sometimes marriages lead to divorce. You know, you need another, another relationship uh, to be created in order for it to be successful. So it's about, you know, um, matching the people with the right coaches as well sometimes. Um, but sometimes, you know, coaches, they will come to you and they'll give you that feedback because they may be passionate about the level of instruction in a classroom and they don't see it moving in the right direction. But I'm not going to take that information and then, you know, rate a teacher ineffective because of that, right? Because there are so many factors that can lead to to the teacher not um, being receptive to a coach or, or being effective and taking the feedback from the coach. So we have to look at each situation differently and where there's a need for a coach change, then we do it. But at the end of the day, I'm not going to take what a coach says to me. If they go in the classroom, they say, hey, Mr. Torres, this, this teacher is not an effective teacher. She, you know, she's not planning her lessons. I'm not going to go in there and write her up because she doesn't plan her lessons. What I'm going to do is I'm going to find out, you know, what support she needs to write those lessons, right? So it's it's the way you, um, we as administrators take the information and use the information. Stay tuned to find out how Mr. Torres impacts all of his teachers, even the resistant ones. But first, a word from our sponsor. Sydney knows that coaching can be tough. Most days, it can feel like you're working hard, accomplishing little, and rarely seeing the impact of your work. Sydney makes it easy for you to get more done and watch teachers improve. Their professional learning engagement platform embeds practice and collaboration in every workday, engaging teachers while building a stronger community of learners. As a special offer for listeners of Coaching the Whole Educator, they're giving away an opportunity to experience Sydney for yourself for free for a whole year. Go to sydney.com front slash TWE to learn more. Claim your free coaching package and win a $25 gift card. To claim your coaching package, go to sydney.com front slash TWE. That's S-I-B-M-E dot com forward slash TWE. Sydney, changing the way people learn at work. So have you ever you know, in, in a, in a situation where a teacher is resisting coaching, how do you manage that? So there's different ways we can manage it, right? Cause it, there's different levels of resistance as well. Mm-hmm. And we also have to look at, is it a relationship between the coach and the teacher? Like I said, a few minutes ago, um, you know, try a different coach, right? See if maybe the coach-teacher relationship is not uh, an effective one. Try a colleague. Sometimes teachers are more receptive receptive to a colleague than they are to a coach. And at the end of the day, if a teacher is not on board, if a teacher is not receptive to anything that you're doing in the school, then there has to be a conversation about the teacher going to another school community. And being a teacher, there's a level of professionalism that's required. 
you, you, if you take the chance and you become a teacher, then you have to be willing to put in some work. Mm-hmm. And if you're not willing to put in the work, then maybe this is not the profession for you. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. Um, you know, one of the things that you said that in, in all of my literature with resistance, and I, I do a lot of work coaching coaches around working with resistance, I hadn't really considered even just trying a, a different person to impact that teacher, you know, and I, I appreciate you saying that, but it, because there's a wide variety of relationships that teacher has, right? And really utilizing your entire instructional leadership team and not just that one person. Absolutely. You know, we we look at differentiated instruction, right? But there's also differentiated professional development and professional support. Not every teacher is going to receive the support the same way, right? There's some teachers that are fine with just going online and sitting in and watching a video of something, uh, there are other teachers that need to have somebody in front of them. There are some teachers that need hands-on. Some teachers need modeling. We have to uh, take the time to know what is the most effective uh, way for each individual teacher, because they're all different. And the same energy we spend on differentiating for our children, we need to differentiate for our adults. I love, love, love that you said that. That is a flag that I fly at the whole educator. We need to differentiate for our teachers just like we do for our children. And we know that's best practice for our children, right? And yet teachers get skipped over many times and get these one-size-fit-all PD. You know, there's all these different needs for learning, right? Adult learning. I love that you said that. Thank you so much. I would love to hear how do you provide different learning opportunities for your teachers? What does that look like in real time? Yeah, so it's about creating different structures and opportunities, right? If I believe that the 35 minutes, because I provide 35 minutes every morning for teachers to be meeting together. Mm. So every morning they have a 35-minute planning time, uh, except for Fridays, which is parent engagement time. If I if I believe that that 35 minutes is enough, <laughs> you know, I, I'm mistaken, right? <laughs> so... We also have a Monday each month where we provide professional support. And then we offer training rate and Saturday workshops, all types of workshops throughout the day. And then it's the way we do the workshops, right? Sometimes we do virtual. Sometimes we do virtual in-person. Um, so it's different ways we, we provide it as well because that's equally as important. Um, so it's, it's, it's looking at all the different models, opportunities, time, places, everything comes into play. It's not just one thing. It's, it's, it's different factors come into play. You know, the timing is important too, right? If you, if you do professional development every time at three o'clock at the end of the day, when teachers really want to go home, you know, do they really want to pay attention to you? Or if you do the 7.30 in the morning, some teachers don't, you know, they're not morning people, you know, mm-hmm. that might not connect with them either. And then, you know, we do the virtual and in-person because some people still don't feel comfortable after COVID um, and others, you know, they prefer the technology because um, they have a direct access to the presenter and they can see it better than in the auditorium. So, you know, it's different things and we, we have to be mindful that a uh, professional development is like a lesson plan, right? 
You can deliver it. You can practice it. You can prepare it. It doesn't mean that everybody's going to learn from it, right? And we just got to be willing to provide other opportunities uh, to model and, and share information so that if they don't get it at the PD, they, they have other ways of getting the information. Same way we do with our children. I love to hear that, that you are teaching the same concept essentially in multiple ways at multiple times to make sure that there's a variety of opportunities and a variety of modalities and even times of the day for the teachers. That it's not a one-stop opportunity and if you didn't get it we're going to be upset at you yeah and, and you know the primary role of the coach to me is is like the reteaching right when you reteach a lesson to the children right you, you may do an amazing lesson but there are going to be those students that you need to go back and reteach them the lesson because they didn't get it the first time or they needed you to model it for them right so you know one of the primary roles of a coach to me, is reteaching the teachers stuff that they may know or they may have been exposed to, but they need extra support. I love, love, love that, right? And, and you know, what, what I hear so much um, framing around teachers when teachers are taught something once and then told, go back in your classroom and, and do it, and then they don't, sometimes they're labeled as resistant. Yeah. You're just being resistant. It's less resistance. Mm-hmm. And more, um, I, I honestly feel that everybody wakes up in the morning wanting to do the right thing, right? Everybody wakes up. Nobody wants to walk into a school and be the worst teacher in the school. Right. I just think that, you know, they may not share that they don't know something or they may feel that if I do um, come across as resistant, then you won't know that I don't know. Right. Mm-hmm. So I think that a lot of it is the teacher just not feeling comfortable with something mm-hmm. as opposed to being insubordinate or resistant. Yeah. You know? and, and and sadly, we live in a world where when people don't know something, they try to pretend that they know or they uh, they get angry and distract you so that you don't know. But the more we create uh, a culture of um, honesty and trust and feeling comfortable with not knowing um, the more and more we're, be- we're better able to serve our teachers and, and community. Stay tuned for part two of my conversation with Mr. Torres next week. And if you're looking for professional development on how to impact resistant teachers, check out the links in the show notes for live workshop opportunities. And until next time, just remember, don't treat people the way you want to be treated. Treat them how they want to be treated. Take care.